Good morning. Hey, again, as Angie said a little bit ago, happy Mother's Day to all the moms represented in this room. We are so thankful for you. Um, again, however motherhood is expressed in your world, we are thankful to the Lord for you. This morning, we are beginning a four-week conversation that we are calling from the heart. And uh, really, this is kind of an off-script, if you will, uh, a conversation in which I'm just going to take some time to share some of the things that have been um, sitting on my heart, some of the things that have been sitting on the hearts of the elders, some of the things that have been sitting on the hearts of our leadership, our staff. And um, don't be surprised if this feels kind of conversational at some level uh, throughout the course of um, these weeks. And don't be surprised if it doesn't feel like there's a neat thread that weaves things all together in this sensible um, conversation. It's going to be bits and pieces because it's really a, hey, can we just talk um, kind of a series. And we're looking forward to what uh, the Lord is going to do in and through our, our conversation. This morning, I thought I'd start at a really exciting place and um, just have an informal church check-in, if you will. Um, just a check-up. I'm going to be doing an informal survey just to figure out how are we doing in each of our relationship to the church, the question I want to ask this morning is really simple. How are you and the church doing? If you all went to therapy, what would emerge from that time? Now, before we even attempt to answer that question, let me just go on record and say something that you've heard us say many times before if you've been around and you hear us say many times in the future. Jesus Christ is crazy about his church. Jesus Christ loves his church. So much so, by the way, that he's the only one who can legitimately say and mean the words, I'm dying to be with you. He loves the church so much that he didn't propose to her on a knee. He proposed to her on that tree at Calvary on a cross. Ephesians chapter 5 says Jesus gave himself up. He gave his life in order to be with this woman that he loved called the church. Jesus is crazy about the church and you've heard us say and you hear us say again. If Jesus Christ is crazy about something, we who are his followers cannot be casual about that same something. If Jesus is crazy about the church, we cannot approach the church and engage the church casually. Which raises the question, how are you in the church doing? What's your relationship with the church currently um, look like? I think it's an important question, and if for no other reason, because one thing I'm pretty sure about 
is when Jesus comes back and he interacts with us, this is going to be something he'll be interested to talk to us about. Hey, I was crazy about the church. How did you treat her? She was central in my affection and my agenda. Where did she factor in to your life, to your world, to your space? So we might as well ask the question. We, 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 we might as well study for the final. We might as well get a jump start in having that conversation. Now, the problem is it's a really difficult question to answer. Where do you begin answering the question about how you and the church are doing? So, I've done a little bit of work because I love you all, and uh, I, I've attempted to make it simple. I, I, I'm going to ask the question based on three categories, because I believe that is true. I think over my years as a pastor and my years growing up in the church, um, I, I've observed that most of us who are sitting in this room and those who are believers in Jesus Christ outside of this room, when it comes to engaging the church, we usually fall in one of three categories. Now, let me give you an out and say, I think those categories can weave and some of those categories can be interchangeable at times, but we will firmly fall into one of three categories. I'm going to give you those categories, and you can do the work of evaluating how y'all doing. Uh, category number one, I think when many of us engage the church, we engage the church as guest. Your relationship status with the church shows up as Guest, which means you show up to church um, periodically. You show up to church occasionally. Um, every now and then, you can be convinced to show up to church for special occasions like Easter or, or maybe like Christmas or like Mother's Day because that's what she, that's all she asked from you is to show up to church. But if somebody can manage to bother you enough or, or, or bribe you successfully enough or, or, or blackmail you enough, then you can be convinced to show up to church. Now, I want to be very clear, as humorous as that might sound, I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. I'm just saying the reality is that church is not something that is a fixture in the rhythm and the routine of your life. You show up every now and then, a few times a year. And it's so interesting, by the way, because I think you can break that down a little bit further, because I think even among guests, there are different kinds of guests. Let me tell you at least two that I've observed, and both of them amuse me immensely. And I'm very much like one or the other. I'm not going to tell you which one. But one kind of a guest um, when it comes to engaging the church is much like the West Coast burger chain. Um, in and out. This is a person who is like, I am going to show up and sneak in as quietly as I can and leave as quickly as I can, lest I run into one of those over-enthusiastic church people who wants to chat and talk to me. And before I know it, one long conversation ends up into a lunch I don't want to be in, and I'm their prisoner of hospitality. And I don't want to do that. This is why I don't come back to church, because these people are crazy. And so you are in and you are out as quickly as you can sneak out. 
the better. The other kind of guest reminds me of someone who committed a crime and is looking for alibis. Um, Because this person shows up to church and they want everybody to know, hey, look who came to church. Because if you're going to dress up and you're going to deodorize and you're going to show up, you want people to know. And you act like you committed a crime and you want, hey, hey, was I at church? Was I at church? Hey, you saw me. You saw me. What's up? Look who's at church. I'm at church. And so no one can ever say you committed a crime on Mother's Day because you were at church. We all saw you. Not only will you show up to church, but you will sign up to volunteer for everything. And you will make promises like, I'm ready to be an elder, and we'll get your stuff. And at the staff meeting, we're like, oh my goodness, who's this superstar person who came to church? And then you ghost us, and we won't see you till the next special occasion. And you'll be like, look who's back! Everybody. <laughs> Throw a party in my honor. Some of us Our guest status, we show up to church every now and then. And that's all we care to be. Let me say something to you. Welcome. We love having guests at Mission Point. Welcome. I hope that whoever you are and however often you show up and whatever you come with, you will hear us say that to you. Welcome. I hope we even make you feel a little bit awkward. Clearly, these people are more excited to see me than I am to see them. I hope that from the parking lot team to to, to the greeters at the door, to the connectors on your way out, to everyone who stands up on this stage, you hear the same thing. We are so glad that you are here, and we will love on your kiddos in that wing, and we hope that they will feel loved on and safe. Welcome, welcome, welcome. By the way, I can't imagine what other posture we would take as a church when we know that the Savior we represent, regardless of who we are, regardless how, how often we come or how infrequently we come, he always has the same posture and it's one of open arms. And I'm telling you, if you're a guest and that's all you ever are here at Mission Point, we will always say to you and mean it, welcome. We are so glad to have you here. But full disclosure. Don't be surprised if you hear us invite you to take a step further than being merely a guest. Because guest is a fine place to start, but not a great place to stay. So don't be surprised if you hear us invite you to take a step beyond being a guest here at Mission point. Because we believe biblically that as good as it might be to be a guest in a church context, it only gets better and it only gets more beautiful from there. Notice I didn't say it only gets easier from there. I mean, when did the thing that's better necessarily mean easier? I'm not saying it gets easier, but it gets better and more beautiful from there. And most importantly, because we know that when you stand before the one who died for his church, when you stand before the one who is crazy about his church, you will not want to tell him, I was casual. 
towards what you were crazy about. You are going to want to tell him a better story than that I remained in the guest status in my relationship to your church. So you hear us continue to invite you in to more. I don't know who you are, but for some of us, we're guests. And I'm talking about you're in town visiting. I'm talking about you live in town, but the way you engage the church is casual and occasional. Maybe that's where you're at. There's a second category um, of of people um, who've taken a step beyond guest, and your status will show up as friend. Friend. You were not as casual and as inconsistent as somebody who would have more of the guest relationship, but your relationship to the church is still built around convenience and condition. Don't get me wrong, you will show up to church because it does factor into the rhythm and routine of your life. Church matters to you. You will come um, semi-frequently and you will engage beyond just attending services. You're going to want to engage the church. But you will engage if Church does not clash with your premier events on your calendar. Then you show up, then you engage. Now, for you, hey, listen, as long as it doesn't clash with our kids' sporting events, We'll be there as long as it doesn't clash with a nice Sunday on the links because, you know, the clubs don't swing themselves. And clearly, by my motion, I don't swing clubs ever. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I'll I'll be there. If Now, don't get me wrong. If it's a busy season, y'all might not see me for a little bit. But don't worry. When things slow down, meaning when the priority events on my calendar, when they empty out, you're going to see me again. I'll, I'll be back. And I'll engage. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm in. I'm in as long as it doesn't clash with the things I'm really in on. It's a convenience relationship. I don't know how the church should feel as a whole about if nothing else is going on. I'll be there. Now, by the way, if we were honest with the way we interact with friends, that's really how friendships work. We just don't come out and say, here's the code of our relationship. But that's true. Hey, do you want to get together? Yeah, maybe. Let me see what else is going on. Because if there are other important things going on or on, on TV, then nah, probably not. Um, but, you know, if the calendar empties out, then I, I'll be there provided nothing shows up at the last minute, and then I won't be there. And for many of us, that's how we interact with the church. I'll be there as long as I didn't have a social event on Saturday night that kept me up a little bit later, so I'm tired, and so maybe I'll, I'll try again later. It's convenience. Or it's conditions. No, I'll be there, man, and I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Now, um, as long as, you know... Uh, the music stays at this range, this level. Oh, I'm there. I'm in. 
um, as long as you continue. Those, those outreach experiences and events, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, totally in. And as long as nobody says anything dumb and ridiculous to me, uh, I'm, a, I'm 100% in. And as long as you continue to make this feel like the church I grew up in, I'm in. As long as you continue to make this feel like a small church that makes me feel great, I'm in. On the condition that... And many of us, by the way, we don't know the conditions that we put on our church engagement until it actually clashes with one of our conditions. And then we're like, I cannot believe it. She handed me the worship card with her left hand. I'm out. But it's a matter of convenience and condition. Can I say something to you, by the way, if you're friend status? Welcome. Thank you. We love having friends at Mission Point. Who doesn't love having friends, by the way? And let me venture out to make a statement and say something that I, I can't prove because I couldn't be bothered doing all the research, but you can feel free to do the research and come and prove me wrong. But my suspicion is that not just here at Mission Point, but nationally, the church in the United States is made up primarily of friends. I'm in if it doesn't clash. So, welcome. This is us. We are so glad to have friends here at Mission Point. And we'll always be glad to have friends. And we will love on your kiddos. And we hope that whenever, whatever, however you show up, that you will hear us. We pray that this place will be like cheers. And eventually everyone knows your name and they're embracing you and telling you we are glad to see you. And I say as a representative of the leadership, thank you. Because I also recognize that of all the places you could go here in town or online, when you choose to engage, you choose to engage here. Thank you. We love that you are friends of Mission Point. But full disclosure, don't be surprised if you occasionally hear us invite you to take a step further than friendship and engage the church even a little more meaningfully. Because I believe there's one more category of people. And I believe that this category of people is the category that will be most glad to stand before Jesus, who was crazy about his church, and say, this is how we engaged your church. Not just as guest, not just as friend, but we engaged your church as family. We engage your church as family. Because here's what we know. 
When Jesus Christ bled and dreamed and then created this movement called the church, what he had in mind was not a group of guests who occasionally show up casually engaging. What he had in mind was not a group of friends who conditionally and out of convenience showed up when it suited their calendar. No, no, no. What Jesus had in mind was a movement who called each other family. That's what Jesus designed. That's what Jesus dreamed. That's what Jesus desired for his church from the beginning. That his church would be family. I don't know if you knew that, but that is true. Family. What Jesus had in mind was to bring together a bunch of siblings who had been called out of the orphanage of sin by a loving heavenly father at the high price of the blood of his son so that they could become family and so that together they would grow up in him and so that together they would go out for him so that they could go and find the rest of their siblings who are stuck in the orphanage of sin and invite them home to be part of family. What he had in mind was a family. And I want to show it to you because I love the way the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians describes the church. And I love that some of you are now relieved. Like, okay, from the heart, how about from the scriptures? Uh, we're, we're getting there. So um, e Ephesians um, chapter... Um, Ephesians chapter 5 describes the church beautifully. Ephesians chapter 1 describes the church beautifully. Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3 describes the church um, beautifully. We're going to look at a couple of um, places, and um, we'll have this up on the screen. Feel free to write down these references. Um, if you're like an ex-Bible quiz and you have speedy fingers, you can feel free um, to go there. But I love how um, Paul describes the church in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is what it says. From him, Jesus, the whole body, that's us, the church, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, and it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love that. A couple of chapters before that, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Consequently, you church. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, as often as we like to interact like that in the church. But you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. This is a picture in both of these contexts. And whenever you read Paul's description of the church, he uses this beautiful, vivid language of organic fusion. He loves to use language that indicates a relationship that ought not to be broken. Jesus has made you into something that's intricately and organically connected. You all are now family. It's what you are. The difference, by the way, between guest and friend and family is the word commitment. 
It's the word commitment. It's when I get to this place where I say it's no longer about being casual. It's no longer about condition. It's no longer about convenience. It's about commitment. It's where I go beyond what necessarily works out well or easiest for me, and I move into this realm of commitment. Now, here's what I think is so powerful about this. If you read the Bible, it will call you to be committed to the local church. But don't ever get it twisted. Paul will never say that, hey, you are all family because of your commitment. It's actually the reverse of that. Jesus has made you family. Jesus has organically fused you by his blood through his spirit. He's made you siblings. Now what commitment does is it allows you to live out what Jesus has already made you. Commitment. This is really important, by the way, and some of you may get frustrated because to some degree or another, maybe just a little degree, it's like, well, then, Condo, those three options are trick questions, kind of. Kind of. Because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you may treat the church like a guest. You may treat the church like a friend, but guess what? Your family. These relational engaging ways are just telling us how you engage your family because family is what Jesus made you, whether you like it or not. The rest of it is just a question of to what degree will you be committed? Will you be committed on a casual level? Will you be committed on a convenience level? Will you be committed on a conditional level? Or will you be just committed? And I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that when we stand before Jesus as followers of his, we will be glad to say we committed to your family and we treated your family like family. A perfectly loved family that so often imperfectly loves each other and fails each other and disappoints each other and is dysfunctional on occasion and messes up in each other's lives but are family still. A family that will fight sometimes and disagree sometimes but we're family still. I think I'm fighting with one of my sisters um, right now as a matter of fact. Uh, but she's still my sister. I don't like her that much right now, but she's still my sister. Because we are family, and because we're family, I'm committed to my sibling relationship with her. I think we'll be most thrilled to say to Jesus, the church you were crazy about, I was committed to. Because we are family. It's what we are. I was talking to somebody not long ago, and they were telling me that, man, they've not seen their dad for a long time, and, and they're frankly not sure where he is, which obviously means they don't have a dad. Well, of course that's not what it means. It means he's just a disengaged dad. He's an absentee dad, and he's a dad who's missing out on all it means to be a dad. He doesn't stop being a dad. Just like when I ask the question, how are we doing? We don't stop being family. Jesus has made us family. You don't have to like all your siblings, but this is family. The question is, will I commit to living out what Jesus has done and made us and what Jesus has therefore called us to? Again, we will always welcome our guests. We'll always embrace our friends. 
but we'll always invite you to take steps towards living out what Jesus has made us. I love Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Let me read this section of Scripture. This is describing the early church. This gives us hints as to what the earliest church understood themselves to be by virtue of what Jesus had said to them. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yes, Lord. But the thing, if nothing else, that I don't want us to miss is the second word in verse 42. It says they devoted themselves. And you will not find a picture of the church in the New Testament that was not marked by devoted themselves. And the word devoted is not a word that's casual. It's not a word that's convenient. It's not a word that's conditional. It's a word of commitment. They devoted themselves to each other. It's not a word that says it was easy. It's not a word that says it wasn't bickering. We know there was a lot of bickering in the church because epistles were written to tell them to stop bickering. But there was commitment. That was the understanding they gleaned from Jesus. And it was into an environment in which family was expressed in commitment that the Spirit touched down and awakened not just the church itself, but the community around them. What does living like family look like here at Mission Point? I want to just take a few moments to talk about that because different families do things differently. I've been to some of your, your homes and you do things, y'all are just different. But um, <laughs> that's, that's family. And uh, at Mission Point, being family means committing to living out four primary ideas, four primary um, practices. We call these our family pillars um, at Mission Point, ways that we express familiness to each other based on what we've seen as some irreducibles in the Scripture's description of the church. Here at Mission Point, being family, expressing being family, because that's what we are, uh, means a commitment to serve. And if you've been around, you're going to hear us talk about this. This is not going to be news to you. But since it's a check-in, good time to revisit some of this. A commitment to serve, because that's what families do. We help each other. We have chores. We pitch in. But of course, only when we feel like it and when it's super convenient. And uh, I bet you all the moms in here are like, yeah, wish it worked that way, you know, in, in my house. I can think of at least one mom um, whose last name rhymes with Mfukwe, who's thinking that right now. Um, serving is not a mission point thing. It is a church family thing. You will not find a picture of a church in the Bible that did not call and invite people to serve. That was what 
the family in the New Testament did. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says it this way. Each of you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can act like a guest and be a guest. You can act like a friend and be a friend, but it doesn't exempt you from the each of you. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God is a gracious God who has gifted you. He has deposited something in your account. And now you're a steward of that gift. And it's saying, you know, the best way to use the gift and to steward that gift is to serve the other people in the family called the church. Help the family to be more of who it was called to be and to see more of who Jesus is in their midst. Serve each other. And so when you hear us talk about something like, you know, Josh Soulsgiver needs 16 people on his setup and teardown team. That's an opportunity for you to say, well, I guess I could do that, um, I, I can step in because that's what families do. They help to serve and engage each other. Not only if it's convenient. I cannot think of our setup crew currently who works tirelessly to set this place up and tear this place down. It's not a matter of convenience. It's a matter of commitment because that's what a family does. And so for me, yeah, I'm the kind of guy, just again, full disclosure, we're talking. When I hear like Josh Soulsgiver still needs 16 people on his setup team, I think, why haven't we taken care of that? And here's why I'll think that. Because Josh is such a, <laughs> he's a meticulous guy, and he's broken it down so that he needs people to serve one hour every other week seven times. A total of seven hours over the course of the next three months or whatever it is. So I'll hear that and I'll think, Lord, stir our people. We, we can serve in that way. And then I'm the guy who also realizes that we will always welcome guests in this space and we will always welcome friends in this space. But do you realize as a guest and as a friend that it is because of the hard work of committed family members that you get to sit in this space and enjoy all of the benefits of a church service? But when you move to family start status, you start to say, I want to be a part of that. I want to help set up an environment where people can come and see more of Jesus and become more of who he says he wants us to be. But serving, that's just one of the things. You look at Acts chapter 2, and they took care of each other. It wasn't an attitude of, okay, you serve me, um, and um, I'll let you serve me while another group, a smaller group of people, did the heavy lifting. It was a movement of everyone serving each other. It was never the 80-20 rule, where 20% were family, and 80% got to benefit, in essence, from the hard work and the commitment of the family. It was more beautiful than that, and it was into that environment that the Spirit broke and broke out. Have you committed to serving? By the way, it doesn't mean you don't take cycles uh, to rest and recoup. Because again, and we'll talk about this, I realize that as a church, we can burn people out. And we don't want that to be the case. 
Um, we want to make sure people are resting and people are Sabbathing and people are recouping. Uh, but the more important thing is that we are committing to serving each other because that's what the church does. So how is your relationship with the church? And I'm telling you, you will want to look Jesus in the eye that day and say, I served your church. And Jesus will say, that's a coincidence, because Jesus believes in coincidences. He would say, that's a coincidence. I served my church too. We have that in common. Second pillar is a commitment to connect. It's hard to miss that in Acts chapter 2. This idea that no one journeyed alone, no one struggled alone, people weren't grieving alone, people weren't laughing alone. There was this beautiful sense of family journeying together because that's what family does. They committed to getting together in each other's homes and to eat with sincere hearts, which is such a beautiful language to say they got into these spaces where they got to know each other in authentic and vulnerable relationship. And in those contexts, they pushed each other towards Jesus. They pushed each other towards obedience to him, laughed together, grieved together, journeyed together, because that's how Jesus designed his family to thrive. He designed his family in a way that you cannot thrive alone as much as you will in connection and in community. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 um, describes it this way. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, towards obedience and towards loving who Jesus has called us to love, him first and foremost. Verse 25, not giving up meeting together. Why would he even write that? Because he knows we are prone to inch back towards convenience and we are prone to inch back towards condition. And he knows we are prone to move out of spaces where we are known, where we are seen, where we are authentic, where we are vulnerable. We're going to move out of those spaces. And he says, no, 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 no. Do not quit meeting together as the majority of people are prone to do. That's not what family does. He says, but encouraging each other, pushing each other forward, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is why we desire to see people here at Mission Point get into small groups. It is not because it's convenient. Um, I am not a fan of vulnerability. It's not my spiritual gift. Um, it is not always convenient, especially the time that our small group meets. is super inconvenient. But it's not about that. We long to see people connect because we understand family thrives when they behave like family and they come alongside each other and they talk to each other and they share burdens with each other and they remind each other you're not alone and they remind each other we grieve together, we laugh together, and we are going to become everything this family was called to be by virtue of our name. And that's why we want people in each other's homes because we can't all connect as a bigger group, but we can connect in homes, in smaller contexts just like they did in the early church. And so that's why we continue to invite into connection. And by the way, um, our small group ministry here at Mission Point that we call missional communities is also the primary context in which discipleship happens. 
It's a primary context here in which we get to obey the command of Jesus Christ to make disciples. Because after all, what's a disciple if not a person who is learning what Jesus says and then learning to do what Jesus says? What's discipleship if not asking two questions? What is Jesus saying? And are we living what Jesus is saying? that we may obey everything he's commanded us. I can't think of a better context than to be in a community place where we're asking each other and we know each other and we can push each other to love and good deeds, which is the obedience of the person of Jesus Christ. And now we're a movement of disciples. And it's into a place like that, it wouldn't surprise me that the Spirit would want to show up where obedience is continuing to rise up. Have you made a commitment to connect with the people of his church? Because that's what family does. And, and we've created it, by the way, in a way where if you're a guest, you can start with what we call 101 level connection event, where it can just be like, I'm staying for donuts and then I'm leaving. Great, great place to start. Or 201 level event, like, okay, I'm going to go to that four-week class and sit with people and get to know them a little bit and head out. And then the 301 level for us, which is a small group. All right, then I'm going to journey with you people and get to know you and let you get to know me and together grow in our disciple obedience to Jesus. Are, are you committed to connecting? Because it's what family does. And the commitment to give. Um, being family here also means commitment to generous giving financially. Um, I love that phrase in Acts chapter 2, that no one acted like their stuff was more important than their people. They were so committed to each other that they were even willing to sell the stuff that they had to make sure that no one was struggling alone and they were giving of their resources financially. And we want to be that committed because we know that biblically there was never a picture of the church that did not involve a commitment to generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 says... Each of you, there's that annoying phrase which takes exemption out of the equation. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. No one's going to pressure what you should give, but the Bible's saying each of you should give nonetheless. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, someone who has committed to being generous. Are you committed to giving? Not out of convenience, not with a bunch of conditions, which is the trend, by the way, in the American church today. People will give, but it's very conditional. It has to fit through a number of things that mean a certain number of things. Otherwise, no thanks. And the beauty of that is then you get to consider yourself generous and just make enough conditions that you don't have to give very often. No, I would. I just haven't. I just have a problem with that thing. So, mm, mm, mm. yeah, I mean, I know she's struggling, but you know what she did when she was in high school? So maybe that's, and you can exempt yourself however you want in the new trend of generosity that's very conditional. I don't know how we're doing uh, because I've, I don't know who gives what at Mission Point. I don't have to be looking at you, judging you, you know, when we walk by each other. Um, we have people for that. 
Um, that is not true. It's not true. But what I do know is that um, start of this year, there were 405 giving units in our church. Um, so far this year, only 217 of those 405 giving units have actually given. Out of those 217 who have given, only 136 have given consistently. I don't know what that all means, but at least it raises for me the question of, man, where are we at in our family commitment to, to generosity? What status would you say you have in your generosity? And then the last is a commitment to reach. And I look forward to us talking about this next week. This is the heartbeat of who we are as a church. And we want to make very clear what it means that we are mission point and that we are on mission. What does that mean here? And I'm so excited to talk about that a little bit more next week because our desire is that God would add to our number those who are being saved. That's what we want, but we also want to commit to the things he calls us to commit to, not just cry out to him, hey, God, do your part, and God's like, do yours. I've called you to commit to some things, and you won't do it. Well, yeah, but we want, we want to see the Lord revive this community. But we realize that's when the church commits to being who he's called us to be. And then, of course, at the heart of it all is prayer. If we are not a praying church, and that's why you, you, you see us at the end of services, we want more and more and more and more to have uh, moments and seasons of prayer because if we try and fix everything but we're not pleading with the God who does the miracle, we're going to miss it all. That's why we want our missional community to carve out space for prayer. That's why every Sunday morning before services begin, there's a prayer meeting that's happening here on the site. We want all we do to be saturated by prayer so that we don't go as far as us skills can take us. We want to go into spaces that none of us are capable of except that the Lord is adding to their number. The Lord is breaking chains. The Lord is answering and doing the miraculous among us. They were devoted to prayer in the early church. All right, I have one more thing to say, and it's going to sound crazy because this is actually the thing I wanted to say, and I'm saying it right at the end before we walk out. My primary goal this morning in this conversation was not just to have you evaluate where are you with the church. Where are you in terms of your relationship and your commitment to the church? Do you know, my burden was actually greater than that. And my burden was specifically for those of you who have committed to what it looks like to be part of a church family. Those of you who've committed to serving, those of you who've committed to connecting, those of you who've committed to giving, those of you who've committed to reaching out. Because recently something has been super heavy on my heart. And it's been this movement of people I've heard say things like, Man, I've been at Mission Point for a while, and I just don't feel connected. Even some people have actually left Mission Point, and that's what they've cited. We just never really felt uh, connected, or we never really felt like it was, you know, the, the thing, or we, we never really felt this, that, and the other. And the thing I want to say to you, and I want you to hear me loud and clear, is that family is not a feeling. I've become concerned that our culture, the Instagram culture, we've become obsessed with what it feels like. 
And I just wanted to announce to you, family is not a feeling. Family is about being committed to faithfully doing the things that Jesus says, do these things. And you may not always feel awesome about it, and people may not always applaud you for it, but faithfulness is what Jesus pays the most attention to. And when you stand in his presence on that day, and he asks you the question, what did you do with my church? He's not going to say, well felt, good and faithful servant. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And for many of you, you have lived out what Jesus has called you to live out, but the feelings haven't caught up yet. Do not let the feelings discourage you from doing what he's called you to do or knowing that he's applauding you, not because of what you feel, not because of what you intend, but because of what you're doing. Family is not a feeling. Family is faithfulness. And to those of you who are faithful family members, I want to say kudos to you whether you feel it or not. Kudos to you. And I pray the Lord to do something that allows you to feel what he's feeling when he watches your faithfulness. But it's not ultimately about a feeling. Be faithful. Acts chapter 2 was in the crucible of persecution. This picture of the church we described, they're in hiding. The world is after them. They're trying to kill and extinguish and execute this whole movement. And yet here they are being faithful to what it means to being a church. And this is so important to me, by the way. And I want you to teach your kids about this, by the way. It is not a feeling. And things for the church are going to get more and more and more and more difficult. And the cry of the movement of Jesus Christ is going to have to be, be faithful. Be faithful. Doesn't matter how you feel. It's not going to feel awesome, but Jesus is commending the faithful, not the feelers. And we're going to need that to be true in our worlds more and more and more and more. Let me also say this, and this is not... John, come on out, man, please. Um, somebody stop me. Um, I want to say this, because for some of you, you have thought and felt like your family, but you're a guest. You've been a guest for seven years. You serve like a guest. You haven't served for a long time. Right? You give, like this is a restaurant, and you tip for services. Meaning you give if you like what's going on. Or you give if you happen to be here. But if you're not here, you're not giving. You're not committed to generosity. But you feel like family. And I just want to say family is not so much about the feeling. It's about faithfulness. It's about what you're doing. If my son says to me, why do I have to pick up in this house? I'm not even going to be here when the guests come. Because that's what family does. My wife and I will be away from church like we were last weekend. But I hope that our commitment even to generosity means we are going to still give. Because ministry still goes on whether we're here or not. But there's a movement of you who are being so faithful, and I want you to learn to love faithfulness even if it doesn't feel awesome at the time because Jesus will applaud you for that. 
Stay faithful. John is going to um, close us in a, a song here. And again, we just want to invite you to come up if you need prayer, even as he um, does that. It doesn't matter what the prayer is for. The more impossible, the better. Whether it's for the family member who's sick and the doctors have given a bad report, come on up. Have people pray for the miraculous. Whether it's for the family member who doesn't seem interested in God and you want to see their eyes opened, Come and have somebody pray with you for that. Whether it's for your own heart's heaviness or your family's restoration, whatever you want your family to pray with you about, please come on up. So even as John and Abby lead us, we want to invite you, elders and small group leaders, come on up so that some folks can have people to pray with them. But stay faithful. Amen? Amen.